everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we talk all about performance, training, nutrition, and how to be a more well-rounded, smarter athlete. I'm Molly Herford. Um, If you haven't been listening, uh, you don't know that I'm a writer. I write about all things fitness, nutrition, training, endurance sport related. Um, And when not writing about them in books and articles, I'm probably outside doing most of those things. And I'm Peter Glassford, Molly's co-host here on The Consummate Athlete. I'm an endurance coach and a registered kinesiologist. I uh, help people ride bicycles mostly faster, but really off-road sort of disciplines and different adventures people get into. So, yeah. Yeah, and right now we are in, I'd love to say sunny California, but the fact of the matter is it is actually raining sideways uh, as we speak, but I mean considering what California's kind of had to deal with in the last couple of months. Everyone that we've kind of heard talking about it is saying that the rain is much needed. Um, so while it's, you know, maybe not the most fun for riding or running in, it's, you know, good to be getting some rain here. Yeah, generally it's uh, fairly predictable here. Today looks like it might uh, indeed be sideways most of the day, um, but... Yes, you do. You do need those days, and we've planned this fairly well with a rest day. We are shifting the podcast recording to when we were going to do some walking and get some groceries and and sort of stack that activity and and together time. But uh, we're we're gonna make it. We're gonna make out here. Not not make out with each other. Although hopefully that Whoa. hopefully that happens at some point. But this, this is getting uh, like an explicit <laughs> reading on the podcast all of a sudden. Uh, but in fact, yeah, we're we're going to record this podcast. So today is a Q&A episode. We try and do these periodically, uh, monthly or, or more frequently. Uh, and we have a few great questions from everyone who uh, use the either they message Molly on Instagram or Twitter or they use the contact form at consummateathlete.com. Yeah, and we're doing more of these Q&A episodes. We've realized we actually really, A, enjoy doing them, and B, we get so many really good questions. So, you know, keep the keep the questions coming. And don't forget, they can be, you know, super specific, super weird, super out there. They don't all have to be, you know, just sort of generic blanket training questions. Kind of the more specific, the better in some cases, for sure definitely the more fun to dive into sometimes yeah and these might be ones that you've sort of picked out of past episodes and we can always sort of bug past guests if, if not get them back on for a quick sort of blurb about something if you want a follow-up question or someone other than our uh, opinions uh, we can definitely tap some of those people and I'm sure they can get us some information again if not get them back on the show even yeah and actually to that end uh those of you who enjoyed last week's podcast with Lori Nedescu the registered dietitian and elite cyclist uh we're actually going to be having her on more frequently to talk uh sports nutrition and you know just general nutrition for endurance athletes so if you do have an endurance nutrition question uh definitely definitely let us know because we're hoping to do a lot more of those since that's kind of a big passion of mine and I know a lot of people listening you know do really care about what they eat they understand that that's a big part of you know making training go smoothly it's certainly something I'm becoming more and more reminded of in these past few weeks of doing much bigger volume yeah and definitely if you do submit a question the more information you you can give us about your yourself and your goals and stuff that definitely helps especially when we get into nutrition Uh, some of the stuff we can sort of talk generally but uh, nutrition for sure is one of those things that nothing's necessarily bad but very much depends on who you are and what you're trying to do definitely um, so yeah so without further ado why don't we get into it yeah all right well before we get into questions let's talk we've been trying to do this one thing uh, on the podcast every week we've been kind of remiss in it some weeks but trying to remember to get it in there so Peter what is the one thing you've been into this week well with everyone talking about resolutions and stuff I was like you know what I'm gonna have sardines every day for lunch I cannot roll my eyes more at this resolution I think if you haven't tried a decent quality sardine uh, it's worth trying I prefer the ones in olive oil but they have different ones you can get uh, and and a good, I'm not going to cite any brands, but some of the, the better brands, definitely. I, I think if you compare it to whatever supplements you're taking, especially if you're on a fish oil bandwagon or uh, omega-3 type stuff, 
uh, yeah, I think it's just a good source of protein. It's pretty portable. Uh, it's it's not the easiest thing to eat around other people because of the the smell of sardines. But yeah, pro tip: please don't eat it in a van with someone else in the van. <laughs> but I just put it with some lettuce and some hot sauce, and away you go. Yeah, I think we might even try it as a a topping on the cauliflower corn pizza crust that we've been getting from Trader Joe's. Maybe, that'll be sort of like anchovies or something. But yeah, I I had it there during the camp. I was in the van usually while the athletes were riding. So I just sort of would bring that and a couple other sort of snacks and it's pretty portable sort of. And then I just treat it almost like medicine, but I'll be honest, I I enjoy it relatively. So we'll see. Like I said to Molly, I'm hoping that my coat and my... My skin and everything's going to be just glowing by the end of the month. I don't know if that'll happen, but why not? I have no comment on this whatsoever. <laughs> All right. My one thing, also food-based this week, um, we because we're, we're on the road, it's sort of annoying to end up getting a bunch of spices and like stocking a spice cabinet when you're only in a place for three weeks. But if you're in a place for three weeks, you kind of end up wanting to add some spice to your food that isn't just salt. I mean, I love salt. Don't get me wrong. Well, and I think the bigger thing is, you know, any of these nutrition questions often are around weight loss or trying to eat, you know, lower sugar or, you know, these sort of things. And totally, I think spices, especially good quality spices that haven't been sort of sitting in the cupboard forever. But, you know, none of us are, are professional chefs unless you're a professional chef. And so some of these pre-made spices, I'm trying to think of the ones we had at home that we really liked. Yeah, you um, really like the spice mixes. There's like herbs de Provence, and then there was another one. Is it like Italian like a vegetable. Or yeah, something? I mean, you pick what you like, but some of those things, you know, you can put them on egg, you can put them on different meats, and some of them you lose the, the gamble. Some of them you're like, wow, this is a completely different meal, right? And so if you have one or two or three of these, we'll call them miscellaneous spice mixes, uh, it can be quite a game changer, right? If you're just having, you know, chicken and broccoli every day, yeah, hopefully definitely. you're having more variety than that. But, you know, ultimately a lot of our meals are sort of beef, sweet potato and coconut. We often joke. And, you know, if you go curry sauce one night and some spices or something. Yeah. So the one I've been particularly into this week, we got um, the Trader Joe's just everyday spice mix. And it's, I mean, it's, a range of the most generic spices that you could possibly imagine, right? It's, you know, salt, pepper, chili, garlic, onion. So kind of your standard ones that you'd normally have at home as separate ones, but we obviously don't have them all here at this Airbnb we're staying in. So it's just sort of a nice little mix. It's got its own grinder attached to it, and it was like two bucks. Uh, so it's been a good good one to just have and put on, yeah, everything, potatoes, eggs, yeah veggies so we've done our morning scramble with that and then not done it with it and then we've done like a fish maybe with it and then i think we tried it maybe on like we do like a baked the sweet potatoes almost as like fries in the oven so we chop them up some oil and then a bit of that seasoning and it's a whole different dish it's pretty impressive how much a spice can change food and i feel like there are a lot of you that are gonna be like yeah Duh. Um, but if you're like us and you're used to just kind of throwing three things in a pot or in the oven or whatever and calling it, you know, good with the meal, honestly, a lot of the time we don't think of spices. So for well, me, and again, this is a I think deal. if your New Year's resolution was around weight, right? Like it's it rather than doing, I don't know, a tomato sauce or ketchup or something like that. Um, you know, the, certainly you may not even have to cut that out, but you could certainly, you know, catch up one day, no catch up the next day, and then use like a spice mix that's essentially zero calorie. Well, let's not talk crazy about getting rid of ketchup. I didn't say get rid of. I'm just saying you're going to cycle this a little bit more, right? I mean, I'll say it's made me use less ketchup. That's one of my, I think, major food like indulgences, which is really lame, is probably ketchup. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a little crazy about condiments in general. I don't like when they overrun the door of the fridge, and that's an aside. But um, I think there's a lot of hidden calories uh, between that and, like, the juices and stuff, right? And it's definitely one of those things that I think you could cut out relatively painlessly, and one of the tools to do that would be, like, a spice for sure. Spices and salts, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny if you think about like the low carb, and I realize we're getting really tangenty with spices here, but with like going low carb or any of that stuff, 
it is shocking how many carbs ketchup actually adds to your eggs and stuff. Uh, you know, it's pretty much just carbohydrate. It's sugar and tomato paste. So it's it's one of the worst offenders, I'm going to say, as far as hidden sources of carbohydrates and calories in, in your food. And because it's more of a savory thing, you don't think of it as being high sugar, but it totally is. Yeah, and I mean, there's subs. I, this is a tangent, but uh, I think that's the point of the one thing question. Uh, things like hot sauce, right? Like there's definitely like other subs there, right? You could do spices one day and more of like a hot sauce or mustard. Mustard tends to be lower calorie, lower sugar as well. Or even just like a homemade salsa. Like I'm very big on just chopping tomatoes, adding cilantro and lime juice. Anything you make, honestly, for sure. Yeah. So that's a good one. Uh, Did you want to parlay that into nutrition or where did you want to go on the first question? Well, I think that actually kind of lends itself to talking about dun, dun, dun. The keto diet. Now, if you listen to last week's episode, you know we've gotten into it before and we've talked about kind of the nutritional side of it, but it is the new year, so that means there are going to be a fair amount of people that are going to be trying the keto diet, whether like, for so. better or for it was, worse. It was big in 2018. Uh, I'm hoping seen, there's something new in 2019. No, I've seen so many articles in this past week about like keeping with your keto resolution. It's been pretty, pretty big we'll say so while i have mixed feelings about the actual keto diet itself if you are going to do it i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about it in terms of training and just kind of a couple reminders about it i guess um so peter when you have clients that are coming to you and saying i want to try keto for the new year what what's your kind of go-to response i mean it's like i say it's becoming a, a common question and i think that's it's it's maybe good i mean i think as adults a lot of us most of my clients are are busy adults with families and jobs and we're all aging um and i think some awareness you're aging some awareness around carbohydrate and sugar and processed foods is good um I think a lot of times we're too quick to jump to the extremes, which is what uh, a ketosis diet would be. Um, A lot of us could benefit from reducing carbohydrate, um, whether that's in a sort of systemized or periodized fashion. So during maybe a a base phase, which we talked about in one of the last podcasts, um, you know, sort of your general preparation when the intensity isn't as high, you're not in race season, certainly reducing carbohydrate and reducing things like the ketchups that we were just talking about and stuff, right? And some of the, we don't need to be eating candy all the time or pop or juice. You know, there's lots of these sources of carbohydrate that are relatively processed that we could pull out and probably see some benefit, whether that's in weight loss or performance and, you know, endurance performance is certainly based around utilizing fat. Um, the one thing that I keep trying to remind people is that a, like there's no, we all want that magic thing. Right. And that has not been shown, uh, with the, with ketosis or a low carb diet, there's been enhanced fat utilization shown. Um, and I do think that we're going to see a revolution of sorts in some of the like ultra distance stuff where you can't get support. So crossing Antarctica. So if you're crossing Antarctica, there's probably some, some, performance to be gained yes, by the many of you listening that are planning an antarctic crossing yeah and i mean we're looking at like our killarney sort of thing and i, I am curious about it for things like that where you got like a you know we're talking into the long so even just say over say six hours type thing where you can't refuel easily i think there is going to be some revolution in that sort of time span you can pry the Snickers from my cold, dead hands. Just just putting it out there as far as the Killarney Trail goes. Right. But I think for a lot of people, we're missing, you know, if your heart rate tends to run pretty high, that's usually a good sign. You know, you can ride all day at like 180 beats or something. There's probably just some benefit from just, you know, math training or, or just basic endurance training where you're actually riding at a low heart rate and increasing your fat utilization, right? If you read any of the Joe Friel manuals or like a side effect of endurance training is you become better at using fat. Um, any elite uh, endurance athlete is very good at using fat. So the question is, how do you get there? And is the only way to get there by ketosis and this very extreme? And I think to sum it up I guess that I think most of us could just improve our diet and be moderate and then train more effectively 
and see a huge, huge improvement. And then if you didn't, then that would be where, you know, I would pursue someone more skilled in nutrition and certified nutrition than me or probably you um, to, to help you do ketosis and try that because it may very well be something that's very helpful. Yeah, for sure. And this might be a pretty blanket statement, but usually the people who are talking about going keto aren't the ones that are on the whole food already like kind of low carb diet. It's not like going keto is like a 10% shift in their diet. It's like a huge overhaul of their diet. That's certainly been for the most part what I've seen. Um, you know, and again, we're seeing people at the high level, some really cool interventions for the peak, like 1% of athletes where we're doing a periodized nutrition, we're doing fasted workouts, we're doing, you know, periods of the year maybe where someone is dipping into ketosis. And that's certainly being done, but this is being done with the support of like professionals who like have studied this and, and are monitoring this, right? And, and I think it's it's very risky to go into that sort of stuff. And and again, ignore the foundations of good nutrition and good training, which is, you know, the base of our pyramid of performance and health and wellness and being a human. So I had an amazing conversation with Swain Tuft, the um, pro cyclist. He's 41. He's been racing for years. Olympic he's, medalist. Yeah, yeah. He's done the Giro d'Italia eight times. He's raced the tour. Um, he's still racing at 41. And like, we have to get him on this podcast because his morning routine is amazing and I love him. But one of the things that he was saying about younger athletes these days, we, we got a little grumpy uh, as we were doing an interview for Flow Bikes and another one for Canadian Cycling Magazine. Um, we talked about the fact that so many young athletes are going for these, you know, quote unquote, marginal gains. They're doing all these things that are supposed to improve performance by 1%. And, you know, taking xyz supplement or doing xyz interval or using you know whatever recovery tool like that one that like is like a hammer um yeah that everyone, kind of everyone has an altitude 10 and those boots that compress their legs yeah so everyone's doing all of that but they're not hitting the 90 percent yeah the actual 90 percent. so it's like okay great we're at 15 percent, and we've as swain put it we used up all of our marginal gains and we're only at 20 percent. we've forgotten the actual yeah. you know 90 percent that makes up the base so just kind of keep coming back to that also for anyone who's interested Swain is at training camp, so he's riding hours a day. He wakes up, he does a run on the beach, then he does some yoga, then he jumps in the freezing cold Pacific Ocean, gets out, does some crawling around on the big rocks on the beach, does a couple more stretches, and heads home for breakfast. He's the oldest one on the team by, I think, 10 years, and he gets back and everyone else is still asleep. The man is a legend. Yeah, yeah, and... I don't know what to say. I mean, that's like typical old guy stuff, right? Um, <laughs> and, and I think I, I changed my tune because I was like sort of lamenting the same thing. You know, the kids, are they're not doing it right. But then I read this cross-country ski book that I really love, reread it. And there's like just the, the, the guy in it, one of the famous cross-country skiers, he is lamenting about the youth and how they're not training as hard as he did in his youth and so forth but this is like written in like the 90s i think is when he wrote it and so he's lamenting about in the 90s right and so it's like there's a whole like sven swain sorry was very a very young man he was potentially in a different sport but doing a you know not doing enough by the older generations measure so yes and we walked 10 miles to school in our bare feet yeah uphill both ways so i don't know i don't know where we're going with the swain tough but it's well it was we you need you need to take care the, of the foundations right yeah. and it's boring it's the boring stuff it's you know vegetables and protein and going to sleep on time yeah um and it, it's boring but i mean it's it's the stuff that <laughs> seems to stay through time right and, yeah um and then one last kind of point about keto and i don't know if we talked about it in last week's episode but Lori was actually mentioning it on her Instagram and it reminded me um, a lot of people mistake keto for low carb and they either accidentally or purposefully keep their protein intake still quite high. 
Um, but a keto diet is not actually a high fat, high protein diet. Yeah, you have to watch protein because it can be used, right? Um, blanking on the name of the nucleogenesis. Term. No, gluconeogenesis I was is close. when protein is used can be used as carbohydrate. Um, so you do have to be wary of that if you're aiming to go into ketosis. Um, and there's a range there for sure, and it's somewhat based on how much you've done it. But as a just as a base blanket like again these are sort of the common sense things that you see not common sense things sorry but the the common things you see people who you know see that on instagram or pinterest and then they go and do it without the help and that's what i'm saying like there's all these like tripping points around salts and and the amount of protein you can have and stuff like that um that that uh, someone who's a professional at this would would need to help you with right mm-hmm. um Okay. Yeah, and there's also, I should say, there's like a very sneaky like window there. And this is, I think, where a lot of athletes, and I would say that unintentionally I ended up in this um, when I was toying with the paleo diet early 10 years ago. And I've sensed like I still follow that as sort of my framework. But there's a weird window there where you're not low enough and on carbohydrate and maybe not high enough on fat, but you're, you're sort of having some carbohydrate and you're sort of in this middle ground where you're not getting the benefit of the the very low carbohydrate diet but you're also not getting enough carbohydrate and i think there's a lot of people sort of in that sneaky window Mm -hmm. um but all that to say most people could just probably lower their carbohydrate because they're eating a fair bit yeah for sure okay moving on from keto um we had one question from Caitlin. She's looking for ways to incorporate exercise when working long hours in a city. Uh, she has a new job and it's it's hitting her hard. And I think pretty much anyone listening can definitely relate to that. I think we all go through seasons in our life where, you know, the hashtag hustle of, you know, what's actually going on in our life is going to impact our training in a very negative way. But Obviously, there are some tried and true ways to keep that going. Do we have is an age or a goal? No goal. Um, I'd say she's closest in age to me, kind of similar level to me, we'll say. So reasonably endurance trained, pretty fit. Right. And we'll say the goal here is to stay in like race-ish ready shape. Because I guess that's the ultimate question, right? Like sometimes in life we have to hustle for a bit. And so then that's where you sort of pull the nutrition in, um, you know, and you just keep things as clean as you can, get to bed on time and, you know, you walk as much as you can to work and you just sort of don't worry about the athletics if there's not a goal there for a while, right? That's true. Good nutrition can really like solve a lot of Yeah, I mean, it helps if you can control body composition and just make sure your energy and that you're walking and taking the stairs and and these things like you can be a pretty regularly fit, you know, and healthy person. And then that's a base of support that then come the summer, if you know, you figure out work and you're sort of settled down, then, you know, this is essentially periodization. You have sort of like this off period where you're focused on other things. And then, you know, once work chills out, um, you know, you can start get back into cycling or running or whatever you're into right? totally i think a big mistake people make here is starting to do that like okay well i'm working 10 hours a day i'm gonna now get up at 4 a.m and hit the gym or hit like the 5 a.m spin class or whatever and not get like cut down on sleep in order to do that and sure you know then you start ending up supplementing during the day with sugar and caffeine to keep you going all for the sake of getting in these workouts that are kind of ultimately costing you instead of actually benefiting you. Yeah. And I think ideally, like, again, we say that walking almost in passing, but I think that the more you can, like I have several friends who are quite healthy. They eat, you know, reasonable portions. They have vegetables and protein at every meal. You know, they have a few meals a day. They don't necessarily skip any meals, Um, but they're walking and they walk very quickly. I have to say, like I have gotten much better at walking in the last few years with the amount we've done, but geez, they walk so fast in the city. <laughs> the city people are just walking. Um, but they walk vigorously. Uh, and that's one of, that's basically their main workout is mm-hmm. five days a week. They walk in some the one, my one friend walks like, I think it might be half an hour each way, like vigorously. 
Um, I don't know why I'm emphasizing vigorously. vigorously. Um, but it's important, right? I think so. So that's, a, I mean, that's an hour of walking and I don't know what happens on lunch. They probably walk somewhere at lunch too and they divide that up, right? And that's a good base. And then maybe on the weekend you go again, maybe just walking to the market and going to see a friend and going walking for coffee. Uh, I think that's a good base, right? And I mean, we would maybe say, you know, throw some morning yoga or anywhere core in there for 10 minutes at some point morning or in the evening. Um, even a few times a week, just to get a bit of sort of body condition, body weight conditioning, you know, calisthenics, you know. Yeah. And I mean, if you have a good indoor setup, and I'm actually working on an article for bicycling right now about the perfect indoor trainer setup, and it reminded me for cycling. Yeah. Um, But I mean, you could do the same with treadmill or gym setup, whatever. Having just that small space in your apartment or house or whatever that's always set up, so you can, you know, literally come home from work, put on your chamois, jump on the bike. It's already on the trainer. You don't have to do any kind of setup. You don't have to, you know, make room or clear a path or anything. You can do a fairly good workout in half an hour. I mean, Tabata intervals, you know, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Like you can crush, you know, a really so. good workout and pretty I mean, quick. I, I, and I think almost in relation to the what we were just talking about, right? Like, I think you could, you may not have a ton of motivation right now too. So, I mean, I think even half an hour of just aerobic exercise, right? Like, I don't think it has to be super hard either. And that could be part of an overall plan too, right? Like a month of 30 minute workouts and just see what happens. Um, you know, and maybe you get one longer workout on the weekend or you get outside on the weekend. There's lots of people that, you know, are quote unquote weekend warriors, right? So I, I don't think that's a big deal either. If, if cycling or running is part of what you want to do, it might just mean shortening down what you think is what you should be doing, right? I think there's always mm-hmm. that, that should statement is always the one we want to sort of assess, right? If you're saying you should do this amount of workouts or should do this amount of intensity, like why... Like there must be, are there reasons why you should not be doing that, right? Well, if you're working, hustling really hard at work, it might be that you need to back off, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was thinking the other thing too, if at work often, uh, several clients have, you know, we find out they have a gym or something, right? And they're not using it at work and they could be going at lunch for a quick 30 minute strength workout. Yeah, you can actually not get that sweaty and do a really good strength workout. I mean, sometimes there's a shower too, right? But yes, for sure, you you, you potentially could do something. Um, and the other thought I had was like run commuting. Uh, if, if you're a runner, it's a no-brainer. If you have to build up to it, then it might be sort of a walk to start and then a run walk or whatever, you know, subway part of the way and then walk or run. Uh, but I think you can do that run commuting is really simple and certainly bike commuting is another option if you know you have facility to lock up bikes or whatever yeah definitely. Uh, but that gets overlooked often too as something that you can incorporate and then on Friday maybe you you know bring a bit more stuff and on the way home you can extend that into a bigger ride right yeah absolutely yeah so I mean we all know there's there's ways around it I think the biggest thing is to not end up going so far overboard trying to squeeze it in when you know like we said you know you got to settle into your new job and it you know probably will calm down and get easier and you'll start figuring out these things but not panicking about oh my gosh i need to do it right now or all is lost i really like your 30 minute thought though like i think again we only know so much what was her name caitlin yeah about caitlin but uh I think I see that pattern that like 30 minutes isn't a workout. It needs to be an hour. It needs to be 90 totally. minutes. Um, and so I've actually in this latest block for a lot of clients, I've actually added a few 30 minute just recovery spins to try and increase the frequency, like how many times they're on their bike. Um, but also just enforce like this is easy. Like this is an easy workout. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and even my coach is doing that with me as I'm trying to recover my knee from, you know, fairly minor tendonitis that just won't seem to go away. Mm-hmm. It's been a ton of like, okay, you've got a 20 minute run today. You've got a 30 minute run today. And it's at first it drove me crazy because I'm like, no, I'm a runner. 20 minutes isn't a run. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm coming around to it. Yeah. Definitely a big thing for coming back from injury for sure is increase with runners, especially, but increasing frequency, but then decreasing duration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've talked about before, just that, that frequency piece, I think is something that people overlook, you know, the advanced or the very serious athletes don't look at double days and triple days as much as maybe we should, especially in cycling. Um, but the, the quote unquote everyday folks just can get so much better just by adding 
um, you know, one other workout or two other workouts that would be even a half hour spin, right? A commute to work. Mm -hmm. Well, and I stand by the 15 minutes of core in the morning is almost two hours a week of core, which is a hundred hours of training a year. Sure. Yeah, that adds up quick. Like, and when you're talking about, you know, pros are training, you know, doing a thousand hour training year, or yeah, thousand hours of training per year, that's like at the, you know, top Olympic level. If I can crush through a hundred hours of training without even noticing it, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I have seen, uh, we've talked about this before too, the, that 10 minutes in the morning of yoga or core, I tend to go more with the, the core and you're more on the sort of yoga side of things, but calisthenics and definitely that I haven't seen that amount of I guess success in people like adhering to things um as that with strength specifically I guess but you mean like you actually have clients that are doing it and enjoying it and it's giving them pro like yeah enjoyment I I guess we can go as far as enjoyment but I think completing that right and you're Mm -hmm. seeing cyclists doing some sort of strength or off bicycle activity for like the whole year Right. Never, yeah. never would you get someone to go to the gym twice a week and do a 30 minute workout. It never happened. Yeah, absolutely. But the fact that it can be done anywhere. Um, and again, like I, we've talked about the, you know, my pull ups, especially when we're home and I can actually use my pull up bar, but push ups and stuff, just going from minimal to being able to maintain, you know, 20 to 30 in one shot pretty much whenever. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So. Okay, so this next question is one that I find kind of very frustrating for me or one that I struggle with too. Sure. Um, Fatigue versus laziness. Like, are you actually fatigued or are you just kind of feeling blah? It's an interesting question. Because they kind of mean the same thing, but, you know, how do you tell when it's physical fatigue versus just an emotional ennui? I mean, I, I was trying to think of a, a simple, like, yes, no type way to go about this. But I guess if you're lazy. And lazy's relative here. Like, I mean, we're not talking, you know, are you eating Doritos on the couch eight hours a day? But I don't know. Like, if someone's getting on their bicycle or on, you know, going to do a workout, then I don't see that being lazy. Um, right. So I, I would then ask like, okay, well if you're doing like, I guess you're saying like, so you're like an in classic endurance athlete and you just hate doing intervals. Okay, I'll give you an example from, from real life. Yesterday I was on the bike and you know, I've been riding with the girls at the camp the last couple of weeks. This was one of my first longer solo rides and I was a couple hours in and I just felt so meh like I actually almost turned around and rode home instead of finishing the loop because I was just so not into it and I couldn't tell if I was legitimately fatigued or if I was just kind of in like a state of not being particularly into the ride at that moment but everything felt very heavy and tired but I couldn't tell if that was an actual feeling or if that was just my brain kind of shutting down on me yeah, I mean, I guess there's uh, several factors there. Diagnose so me. I would look first at, like, if there's any intensity in the schedule, then how is that going? Because that's usually a good tell of fatigue. Um, you know, if, if someone's just lagging in their intensity workouts, then there's probably something either nutritionally or, you know, they're not recovering well enough or there's too much volume or... Not enough time between workouts. Um, another thing is like if every workout's very similar, uh, which is common. So like every working person does one hour moderately hard as their workout. Um, and in, in principle, you would like to have a, a longer workout, you know, say 90 minutes to three hours, uh, depending on your sport and what you're trying to do. Um, but I, I see a lot of people are missing that like long workout. Um, for cycling, it's probably more like three hours, which is hard for sure. Uh, if you're a busy person or if you're, you know, in a winter climate. Uh, but at some point, those sort of need to be done. And for most distances, that would be sort of a minimum, like overtraining, not overtraining, but like over distance training. 
uh, or endurance workout. So I would just want to see that there's a hard workout in the week. There's a long workout in the week. There's maybe one of those recovery spins in the week. You know, there's some variety in the intensity and duration. Um, and so if you're going sort of stale often, it's like every workout's the same and that both motivationally and energetically is, is very tough. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I I'll also add, like I was then able to, at the end of the ride, keep up with you and be pushing good power so it was definitely more of a mental thing in this case but right. like last week i know i was particularly fatigued um what about as in terms of like heart rate breathing any feeling in the legs that would indicate actual fatigue versus needing yeah i to think change once you stuff? get warmed up whether that's with some sort of like coordination or just you know sometimes it takes sort of half an hour to even 60 minutes to get warmed up um if you're still like feeling like blah like just that sensation that like your legs are heavy or full um then that would be a good sign of fatigue for sure um often what happens too is like you try and accelerate into and that's why i sort of asked about intensity and how that's going if you accept you know you're trying to do hill intervals or you're trying to do thresholdy intervals and your heart rate doesn't come up very easily like it's normal to have some lag time and heart rate but if like you're getting through the whole workout and it's not coming up then that's a very chronic or like classic sign of uh even just overtraining or overreaching uh, i just need you just need recovery um what was my other thought with that oh i guess actually here's here's another question to that then. Oh, more questions like, yeah I so my thought if I, yeah, if I decide I have actual fatigue or even I'm just like, okay, I'm so unmotivated, I'm, I'm done, is the best response to that to like just ease up and spin home easy, you know, actually complete the hours or anything like that? Or is it to, you know, take the fastest route home spinning? or call an uber or do i finish the ride so i recalled the other thing i wanted to say was that the you should have a plan and often where the like laziness or fatigue can sometimes come in is if there isn't really like a point to what you're doing then it's very hard you know it's getting you're getting tired you're getting hungry you're close to home you're getting bored sometimes just riding for extended periods is boring so if there isn't really a goal and that goal could be to complete a loop or ride longer than you did or ride the loop faster. Um, sometimes that's like the purpose and it always comes back to that nebulous why, right? Um, so sometimes just not having a plan is, is part of the issue, right? And then I sometimes struggle with that and have to sort of like make sure that I'm planning my, my training or, or consult with someone and get some ideas and stuff to sort of freshen stuff up. Um, because sometimes it's just you're in your... You know, you ride the same roads every single day and you do the same thing every single day. And so it's not that you're lazy, um, but you're becoming mentally fatigued, right? There isn't, you aren't striving towards something. Um, so to your la latest question, what <laughs> should you do? I wouldn't stop necessarily, like unless someone was very overtrained and just like completely like just, you know, you're starting. Fainting on the roadside. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing like crazy, like, blood pressure and not sleeping and just crazy irritability and stuff like that. Um, if you're mid ride, I mean, you could certainly shorten a ride and then go home and assess like, well, what is my training looking like? I'm going to take a couple days easy, but I, I think that's where you get back to that sort of 30 minute spins, low heart rate and do that for a few days to even a week. Um, a lot of times you haven't taken a rest week sometimes for people. Um, you know, and that's another question is when was your last rest day or last rest week, right? Again, it gets to that undulation and training both in the week and the month, if not the year. Um, but yeah, so hopefully I don't know if that answers that question, but yeah, definitely like just even do something different for a couple of days, right? Like that mm -hmm. could, that could be a day off. That could be riding easy. That could be riding with people. That could be, you know, a variety of different things, different sport we would love in our consummate athlete ways. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Next one. Um, someone asked me what saddle I use and they, you know, asked this because talking about saddles and, you know, bike fit and chamois choice and stuff like that is kind of my jam. I've written an entire book about it. Uh, saddle sore, ride comfortable, ride happy. Uh, so you'd think that I'd maybe have a saddle recommendation to, to give people. Um, 
normally I would have just skipped this question, but because I get asked it every time we do talks and, you know, someone recently asked me, I kind of wanted to address it because there's a reason I never really talk about what saddles that I use. Um, and that's because none of us are exactly the same. So the saddle that works for me is not necessarily going to work for someone else. Even if they happen to be my exact height and weight, that doesn't necessarily mean we have the same sit bones. It doesn't mean we have the same, uh, you know, configuration of our various nether regions, for lack of a, a better way of putting that. Um, so the saddle that I choose is probably not going to work for somebody else. Um, so I think it's kind of I purposely avoid saying which one I use because I don't want someone to go out and assume that that happens to be a great saddle. That happens to be a great saddle for me. Um, and, you know, I've gotten terrible saddles. I've fallen into the trap of like riding the saddle that came on my bike for a year before I remembered, oh, right, I have the power to change the saddle. It's really not that hard. Um, so if you are looking for a saddle, I mean, recommendations are, you know, fine, well and good. It sometimes helps give you a starting point. Um, but a lot of bike shops will have either money back guarantees on saddles. They'll have saddles that they lend out. Um, you can actually go to a bike shop and get your sit bones measured. So you sit down on this, uh, basically sand pad and it measures the space between your sit bones and that can help direct you to a saddle that is properly sized for you. Um, you might find that you prefer a cutout or a divot in your saddle. You might realize you actually really don't like that. You might want a more aggressive saddle. You might want a more relaxed saddle. Um, there are tons of options out there. So uh, rather than asking what saddle I use, um, you know, thinking about what saddle is going to be right for you is probably a better thing. And Whenever a cycling magazine or website has a review of a saddle, take it with a grain of salt because that is one person's nether regions on that saddle. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I guess they do, like, everyone in the magazine or whatever tries different saddles or something. But, um, yeah, it's definitely finding that, that saddle. I know Trek uh, has done, and I think a few other brands are doing it like this now too. They're having both that width but then also based on the riding you do. <clears throat> so they would have like an aggressive position for more like a time trial or road. And then maybe there's like a mountain bike saddle and then there's maybe a casual saddle too. And it's sort of based on how far forward you're hinged when you're sitting on the saddle. Right. And it makes sort of sense right? like a road cyclist is going to be like, you know, down aerodynamic. So they've rolled their pelvis forward in those, nether regions as you call them right all our sensitive parts are getting sort of rolled onto that saddle so the aggressive saddles are sort of trying to accommodate for that right so maybe a little less nose or the nose slopes down a bit more mm -hmm. um, so i think that's something that i've seen in the clients i work with I, who are i guess are more serious in general um, some of those more aggressive saddles we won't necessarily name models but certainly track and i know specialize is a popular one as well um, both have ones that are sort of these more aggressive saddles. And I think for people who are, you know, pushing their limits and racing, then I think that's often what seems to be where people are trending towards, at least right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think just trying out different ones. I think that's great. Yeah. I had never thought, but I guess you could probably go to a shop and assuming they have bikes with different saddles on the bikes, which mm -hmm. they may not have all it's, the like It's models. usually cheap stock ones, unfortunately, unless you're getting really, really, really up into the super. You may even be able to just go around with your sh chamois on and then try them out, right? Yeah. I mean, the, I will. The caveat to that is, unfortunately, a lot of saddles will feel totally fine for the first, you know, 30 minutes or so or like yeah. your first ride um it's really only after like a week or so of serious riding that you start noticing that you know xyz saddle is not Maybe right not for you. a week but definitely takes like an hour or two right or, or at least more than you're used to riding yeah right like i even on my bike it, it's been fine because it's a cross bike that i'm riding right now and it's it's been fine i've ridden it since august but then like this week i finally have been like pushing my volume up a fair bit um, and definitely like by ride five, 
you know, or hour four or five, I start definitely noticing it and I've had to tweak things a little bit as far as position. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually coming back to that article I'm working on uh, about riding on the trainer inside and setting up your perfect indoor trainer setup, uh, saddles become much more important i find actually when you ride inside because you're much less dynamic when i'm outside i can ride for a lot of hours on the current saddle that i have um when i've been on the trainer i hate it after the first hour so not all saddles are great for all things yeah and definitely trying to stand up periodically especially when you're outside but uh, even inside just trying to time a couple pedal strokes up out of the saddle here and there yeah absolutely all right so that's all about saddles um next question and i actually love this one because i think it's something that all of us probably know the answer to but will ignore the advice um or ignore the advice if no one is like out there actually telling us this thing uh if i miss a day of training should i make it up yeah, I mean, I think it depends. I The rule I give people, you know, especially when they're following like a, a training plan or something is that if you've missed the day because of something stressful, so work just was like this most stressful day ever, your boss was yelling at you or like you were up all night with your kids and they were freaking out, then I just say like move on to the next day and just leave that day in the past. It's fine. And you might have to adjust like the next week. If say you were doing three by 10 this week and the next week you're doing three by 12, you know, maybe next week you just ease into that. You don't necessarily have to like jump through it and and skip it completely, but maybe that next workout sort of like blended. Maybe there's like a three by, maybe it's like a 12 and a 10 and then an eight or a 12 and two tens. Um, as, as just as a sort of an example. Now, if, you're like, oh, it's pouring rain today and I have this like hill workout or like I know I have Friday off, but like today's Thursday and I have this hill workout, but today I I have to work just normal work. It's not stressful. I just, I know I have to go to work and I have like an hour after work, but I could slam out this awesome hill workout tomorrow, you know, after a good breakfast and like sleep in and then I'm going to slam out like a three hour ride with those hill and it's going to be a really, really good quality session then in that case, I would say you could like miss the workout and move it forward, right? And Would you swap the workouts in that case? Yeah, maybe you just spin easy or something, right? And maybe it's, again, like if it's not stressful, but you just can't make it, right? Like it's just, oh, the kids have to go to a birthday party after work. You know, it, it's not stressful. It's just I don't have the window I thought I was going to have. Uh, but tomorrow I definitely have that window, right? Or I get, you know, a bigger window because I took the kids to the birthday party, right? Like mm-hmm. there, there's certain examples like that where like you're, you're really not stressed, your sleep's still good, you're still eating meals. It's just there isn't the time in the day. So rather than like staying up at 11 o'clock at night and like trying to slam out this hill interval workout, right? Then sometimes there's just that's the logical thing. And with some of my coaching clients, like that's definitely something we would be back and forth on. But if you're just following a plan or, you know, you're on your own coaching yourself, then that's, those are the decisions you have to make. So that's my rule of thumb is just, you know, if it's stressful, then just sort of like carry on, which usually means you do sort of like maybe a lower intensity or a recovery day after the the stressful day. Yeah. Um, and this actually kind of comes back to almost our first question. But the other thing I'll say about this is if you're finding that this is happening to you on a weekly basis or even, you know, more than once a week, Uh, it might be time to look at your training plan as a whole and actually do a bit of recalibration to where your life is now. I mean, it's one thing if, you know, you're making 95% of your workouts and like 5% get kind of Yeah, that's probably good, right? Like there should be some adjustment there. It shouldn't fit perfectly. But if every single week you're finding like three workouts just aren't working or, you know, work is stressful three days a week or whatever, uh, it might just be time to rethink your whole, like your training plan as a whole, not just keep doing this like shift one day, shift one day, um, borrow from Peter to pay Paul, not you, Peter. Right. That's the saying. Sorry. Um. Yeah, I think that definitely I've had a few clients in the last few years. We've I've seen many more people who are actually taking Sundays, the typical long workout day, taking it off as like the family day, get on top of things totally. day, because they were just getting frustrated and, you know, getting, you know, there was fights at home and stuff about going away for the whole day. And it's like, that's the only day the kids are home and stuff like that. So 
why not just take that day off and enjoy it? And then Monday to Friday maybe is more predictable. Maybe you can't do three hours, but maybe it's, you know, you get your hour every single day or something. Um, and then Saturday is the big long day and then Sunday you take off. Um, and in a lot of people find that they come, you know, they're happy. They had that like relaxing day, you know, they went for a walk, um, read the paper whatever. Right. Yeah. A bit more of a refresh. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely really like when I have Sundays off. It's yeah. A whole different world. Absolutely. Awesome. So I think we'll, we'll wrap up there as always. Um, if you could swing over to iTunes, give us a rating or a review, that would be amazing. We would greatly appreciate it. And as we said in the beginning, um, any questions are always welcome. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J Herford and Peter is at Peter Glassford, or you can use our question form over on consummateathlete.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast. To check out all of the show notes for this show, go to consummateathlete.com. And to follow along with our various adventures on the social medias, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash consummateathlete or follow me, Molly Herford, at Molly J. Herford on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Peter Glassford on Twitter and Instagram. And if you could give us a huge favor and rate and review the podcast over on iTunes, that helps us bring on more guests, you know, get more episodes out and do more cool stuff. So we would be forever grateful. And if you're looking for coaching for endurance sport or just for health and wellness, uh, you can check out smartathlete.ca. And for amazing outdoor content, you can check out theoutdooredit.com. Aw, honey. And that's theoutdooredit.com for Molly Herford's writing and all things outdoors. All right. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.